Thanks. <laughs> Bless you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, how are y'all tonight? <clears throat> y'all know what that means, don't you? Y'all? Y'all? You know what the plural of y'all is? All y'all. Good. I feel right at home. That's awesome. Well, I'm, uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do tonight. I don't have a clue what it's going to be, but, you know, He always has a way of just showing up and blessing us in spite of ourselves. So, just, uh, I want you to prepare yourselves to receive whatever God wants to do. Um, first, uh, I've got a couple of things I want to um, give away. You know, first I'm going to start with, uh, with my book, Open My Eyes, Lord. Uh, it's a practical guide to angelic visitations and heavenly experiences. Um, Bill Johnson said this, Gary Oates' book is captivating. While it is theologically sound, it is also experientially riveting. It contains the very heart of God igniting everything it touches. Heidi Baker said, I could not put down this amazing book. I laughed and cried as the Holy Spirit touched me through these anointed stories. If you want a deeper life in the Holy Spirit, this book is for you. Now, this afternoon I gave one of these away. The Lord really, really got on my case this afternoon because I was rude to a lady and uh, because she jumped up and she ran up here to get it and I just threw it way over her head out into the crowd. And so the Lord, the Lord just dealt with me about that. And so he told me to give her a double blessing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, this is a DVD. It's called Fulfill Your Destiny. I um, actually did this in uh, uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Now, a lot, you know, a lot of times we don't really understand what this destiny thing is, but we go through seasons of it that are in preparation for ultimately coming into it, I guess you can say. I was 58 years old before I began to walk in my destiny. The life experiences that I had over all of those years, there were seasons uh, of that uh, at the time that I was walking in what God had me to do, but it was a preparation for greater things down the road. So those life experiences are invaluable uh, to us. And so I go on, I explain a lot of that kind of stuff. So anyway, it's, um, uh, who wants this one? Who wants it? <clears throat> now, you know, there's a lesson to be learned in that one too, because she didn't know whether I was going to throw it over her head or not like I did this afternoon, right? So I said, who wants this? And they're, oh, I do, I do, I do. But she's the only one that got it and came to get it. And that's what we do with God. Oh, God, I want more, I want more. And we just sat there. God said, hey, get up and go after it. Go after the things of God. Pursue the things of the Spirit. I know, you know, I'm, I know I'm singing to the choir or something because uh, you guys are... You guys are really amazing. You're right there. Um, 
Listen, I want to invite you uh, to go with us. We're going to Brazil in November. There's still time to go. We're going to Imperatriz. Uh, it's an amazing uh, place. We were there uh, a while back, a few years, I don't know, couple, two or three years ago, whatever it was. God did some amazing things there. Um, I was, uh, it's, a, it's a big, huge church. It seats about 12,000. Now they say it seats 20,000. So I don't know if they, I don't know how that is, but they've got about 50,000 involved in the church. But anyway, um, I, was, uh, I was talking about the prayer of faith brings healing from James chapter 5. And the illustration that the Bible uses on the prayer of faith is Elijah on Mount Carmel praying for rain. Now, you know, the prayer of faith is not just praying once and that it happens, that that's great faith. No, that's not. Because I did that millions of times and it didn't work. The prayer of faith in the Bible is that you keep praying until you see the results. It takes a lot of faith to keep praying when nothing's happening. So, the illustration is Elijah on Mount praying for rain. And he got down in that birthing position. He put his head down between his knees, and he began to cry out to God for rain. Well, I demonstrated this in front of this big... The church is like a, it's like a coliseum type thing. It's got like about three circular balconies up there in a big old place. And so I, I got down in that position, and I cried out, God, send your rain. Just like Elijah. I, can, I was just picturing what Elijah was doing. I did that all seven times, just like Elijah did. But after about the fifth time... I said, I didn't even realize what I said. It came out before I even knew it. And, and I said, God, send your rain to Imperatrix. Okay, that was the city where we were. Well, went on. I was transitioning into the presence of God brings healing. All of a sudden, the place just erupted. People jumped up. They started shouting. They started running around. And I thought, what, what are they doing? You know, they, they just rudely interrupted me. And I thought, good night. I, you know, and, and so I turned to my interpreter. I said, I said, what happened? What happened? He said, I don't know. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm teaching on healing. Maybe somebody got healed. I said, do you think maybe somebody got healed? He said, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. And on the, the upper balcony, there was windows around the side. And people were jumping up and running and gathering all around those windows up there. And I thought, what in the world? And so we looked. And over, there was a little window over here on the side that we could see out of. And it was pouring down rain. I mean, it was a gully washer. Well, <clears throat> This guy came up to me, and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, this is dry season. He said, it never rains in dry season here. Well, they went back. They checked the weather records, and in the history of weather record keeping, it had never rained in the history in dry season at new moon. Well, this was new moon, dry season, okay? So <clears throat> they were broadcasting the meeting live on television, and on the radio, the phone immediately started ringing off the hook at the television station, the radio station, and the church, saying, this is a sign from God. God's going to pour out His Spirit in this place. And, well, the, the, the TV station kept playing that over and over and over. Went back to the hotel after that. They played it again the next morning. We got up, turned it on. They were playing it again. They played it all, just looped it. They just played it all day long. The mayor found out about it. Uh, he invited us and our whole team over to his house for dinner. And I mean, it was just an amazing thing. That, but that's, that's where we're going. So there, there's still time. It's uh, like November the, I don't know, 7th, I think, or something like that. If you have a passport, you know, if you have a current passport, there's still time to go. Uh, you can go to our website, garyoates.com, G-A-R-Y-O-A-T-E-S.com, and you can sign up right there. 
uh, but we'd love for you to go with us. Um, <clears throat> also, of course, you know, we do a lot of other trips, and so you can check those out uh, also on the website. But also, I want to invite you to come see us in Moravian Falls. How many of you have heard of Moravian Falls? Have, well, a lot of you. Some of you haven't. It's an amazing place. It was founded in 1753 by the Moravians, uh, the Moravian Church. And at that time, Zinzendorf was head of the Moravian Church movement. And he called for 100 years of 24-7 prayer. A lot of that 100 years of 24-7 prayer was done right there in Moravian Falls. It just kicked the heavens open. And, and there, is a, there is an open heaven there. We have a prayer mountain there. Uh, there's, there's so much angelic activity. It's easy to receive there. When people go there, the first thing, that they, when they, just, they arrive, it's like the comment we get from everybody is, ah, oh, it's so peaceful here. But that's because the presence of God is there. Easy to receive. All kinds of stuff happens. Well, we have small group gatherings. In fact, we used to limit it to 50 people. We were able to get more accommodations. Now we can get about 60 to 65 people. That's all. That's maximum. So there's a lot of individual ministry, personal stuff. Everybody eats together. Uh, everybody does everything together. It's really cool. And we have a transformation summit coming up, uh, actually a week from Sunday. But y'all can't come to that. That's been filled up a long time ago on a huge waiting list. But we are having one next year in April um, and in October. We're and then in May, we're having one just for Koreans. We've had so many Koreans wanting to come. In fact, at this summit, about almost half the people are coming from Korea just to the summit. So, uh, but God prophesied that a long time ago. We didn't even know anything about it, but we've had people come from 23, I think it is, 23 different countries. We don't know how they find out about it. They just show up. Uh, it's really amazing, people from all over the United States. And so, anyway, I want to invite you to that. That's a one-week event. It's a week-long event. And uh, that's with uh, Kathy and I and uh, Bob Jones, Larry Randolph, uh, Bobby Connor, Anna Roundtree, uh, you know, that wrote The Priestly Bride and The Heavens Were Open. Um, and uh, we, we have amazing worship. There's a lot of interactive stuff going on. There's hands-on impartation from all the speakers. And uh, so that's an amazing event. We just started advertising that just, uh, the, just the first part of this week. So, um, but, and, and if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to sign up very quickly because those fill up uh, real fast, okay? So, anyway, enough said. Now, are y'all ready? Y'all ready to have fun tonight? Okay, well, what I want to do is uh, <clears throat> I want to, uh, I want to take the mystery out of the supernatural. We're going to, we're going to demystify the supernatural. Um, you know, with God, there is no such thing as supernatural. Right? It's all natural to Him. We're the ones that's supernatural to us. Right? Okay. So, um, you know, we're, we're learning what the supernatural realm really is and how we can participate in it. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. It'll, it'll probably answer a lot of the questions that you've got. And um, I think God is going to do some amazing things for every one of you. Uh, I said this afternoon that you're more spiritual than you think. You have more spiritual encounters than you give credit to. 
A lot more is happening, but we have a tendency to not acknowledge that as being God, or we just write out, well, I, that was just me, I was just making that up, or, or whatever. Well, I was raised in the Baptist church. I was taught against all the stuff that we're talking about. Uh, I was taught that God does not speak to us today like he did in the Bible times. I was taught that Satan is sitting on my shoulder whispering in my ear, tempting me to sin. I could hear the voice of the devil, but I couldn't hear the voice of God. Right? I was taught that anything that was supernatural was of the devil. At one point, I signed a statement saying I would not speak in tongues or associate with anybody that did. Now, I've come a long way <clears throat> since then. I had to unlearn and relearn. As Bill said this morning, you know, uh, left brain, analytical, logical, you know, prove it, show me. That was me right now. I didn't have a mystical bone in my body. So if I can, if I can begin to experience all this stuff, you can too. And so what we're going to talk about tonight, I think is going to free a bunch of you up and give you the freedom to talk about what God's really doing in your life, confirming to you that you are hearing from God, that you are seeing in the Spirit, that these things are happening to you. I got an email from a guy, and I want to read it to you. Um, his um, subject is, what does the presence of God feel like? <clears throat> okay. Um, I got your DVD, Open My Eyes, Lord. I spent three hours with God the other morning asking for His presence and to open my eyes to the spirit world. I had the following experience. Can you tell me if I experienced God's presence? Okay, now we're going to vote in just a minute. <clears throat> I felt great pressure around my stomach and mostly my chest as if I were being squeezed hard. My whole chest area felt like it was on fire. My heart and lungs felt on fire. With my eyes closed, I saw images with such detail and color. I've never experienced that clarity with my eyes closed. However, most of the images of people were blurry figures, but the color was incredible. The one image that stood out was a blurry person in robes wearing a beautiful bright ring. The ring was solid gold with two humps and with very bright sparkling jewels on it. Then he goes on to say, I want God's presence so bad it hurts. <laughs> also, the last four mornings I've spent with God asking for his presence and to open my eyes, it's been very dry and nothing happens. I feel sometimes like the Holy Spirit whispers to me, it will happen in God's timing. What do you think? Okay, we're going to vote. Did this guy have an experience with the Lord? Yes. We all agree to that, right? You've done exactly the same thing. He, he describes this encounter that he's had with the Lord, and then he turns right around and says, well, you know, nothing's happening, and maybe I feel like sometimes, you know, it may happen. We do exactly the same thing. God's giving you visions, He's giving you dreams, He's giving you revelation. All kinds of cool stuff is happening, but you're not acknowledging that it's God. Now, uh, you know, this afternoon I shared about what happened in, in 2002, uh, June of 2002. 
I went, I went to Brazil. That was when God opened my eyes to see in the Spirit. I was taken up into the presence of the Lord. I told you about the first time I saw an angel involved in the healing process, a man who uh, had uh, uh, brain cancer. Uh, and they performed surgery. They sent him home to die. He said there was nothing they could do. And uh, as we we're praying, I saw a big angel bring his wings around the man and another angel blowing fire into the man's head. He was totally and completely healed. Since that time, I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of cases where people have been healed through the ministry of angels. In John chapter 5, uh, it talks about the pool of Bethesda where people would wait for the angel to come stir the water that they could step in to be healed. Well, in that passage, we see the work of an angel producing healing for those who stepped into the water. Now, we see it happening all the time. We have people coming up testifying regularly of, of feeling the effects and the presence of an angel as they're being healed. We have people come up many, many times. Uh, one particular one that stands out, this lady had a large tumor. It was the size of a grapefruit in her abdomen. And she said she felt the hand of an angel go in and take that tumor and just pull it right out from her. It completely disappeared. She was totally healed by the power of God. There was a pastor in Pennsylvania... As during the meeting, he was, he was so sick, he almost didn't even come to the meeting. And he was the pastor, the host pastor of the church where we were ministering. And he, and he said, uh, because of bronchitis. And, uh, and during ministry time, he came up and testified. He said, I felt two hands go into my lungs and pull the bronchitis out. He said, I am completely healed. He said, that was an angel that went in and he felt the effects of that. We have people, you know, like uh, heart conditions, feeling a, a hand massaging their heart, the irregular heartbeat stopped, the defective heart valve stopped, the squishing sound stopped, everything became normal like that. I mean, story, well, one lady had uh, sciatica pain, uh, ner nerve damage down her right leg, and, and she was standing there during ministry time. All of a sudden, she felt two hands on her hip and twisting her like this. The hands let go. She swung back around like that, totally healed. She had suffered with it for several years. She couldn't get comfortable sitting down or standing up. It was constant irritant to her. And God, in a split second, completely healed her. We're talking about TMJ. Uh, last, that was last night, wasn't it? This guy came up. This was in uh, Cambridge, just right out in Massachusetts, just off the campus at Harvard. Uh, he came up. And he had TMJ. He'd suffered for it for, with it for years. He had serious problems in his jaw. And he said he was standing back there. And he said he felt a hand grab his jaw and reposition his jaw. Everything came into perfect alignment and he was totally healed. He could open his mouth wide. There was no popping, cracking, no pain, nothing. Totally freed and healed by the power of God. Well, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, I'll give you another do I have time to do that one? No. Well, <clears throat> I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you one more. Okay. Uh, this, this was in Ghana, Africa. It was an outdoor meeting. We parked the bus right over by the side of the platform because it was, in a, it was a lighted field and it was in a lighted area because outside the lights, it wasn't real safe. So we parked fairly close to the platform there. And while I was preaching, I was walking back and forth like this, and I, I saw the bus. The bus was filled with angels. I mean, the top of the bus, they were standing there. Some were sitting on it with their legs dangling off the side. And I looked at that, and I thought, I thought, now what am I going to do with this? So I thought, okay, I know what I'll do. So I said, okay, minister team, go over by the bus. The minister team got up and went over by the bus. I, I told everybody, I said, I said, if you 
blind or deaf or terminally ill, I want you to go over the bus. The team's going to pray for you. And I told the team, I said, as soon as somebody's healed, I want you to interrupt me, bring them up, and I want to get their testimony. I said, okay. So now I was really having trouble preaching now because people started making their way over there, and I was still trying to preach. And, and I looked over there, and the angels were jumping off the bus down onto the people <laughs> as the team started to pray for them. And, I'm tell, and, and just not a minute later, they brought the first person up. He's a 14-year-old boy. His name was Queasy. And he was known in that whole area as Queasy the Deaf Boy. However, he was no longer Queasy the Deaf Boy. God opened his ears. He could hear perfectly. And one of the first words out of his mouth was the name of Jesus. And so right in front of everybody, he stood there speaking and hearing and demonstrating that he could hear for the first time in his life. Well, that was amazing. Uh, long story short, there, was, uh, there were 35 blind or almost blind people that were healed by the power of God. There were 22 deaf or almost completely deaf people healed by the power of God. And that night, conservatively, over 90% of the people there were healed. There was so much angelic, the whole area was just covered with a blanket of the presence of God. I didn't believe what was happening. I told him, you know, we started in ministry time, just invited God to heal. Well, I said, okay, I want you to test your body, see if you've been healed. Do something you couldn't do before. So they were all doing all this kind of stuff. And I said, okay, now, if, since you've been here, since you came here tonight, you came with a physical condition, since you've been here, you're completely healed. It's totally gone, 100%, totally healed. I want you to wave your hands like this. It looked like everybody was waving their hands. And I thought, no. Nah. See, they speak English, and I speak English. <laughs> but I couldn't understand them, and they couldn't understand me. So we had a guy interpreting into their, their tribal language, which was Twi. Okay? And so I thought, this guy didn't say what I said. So I said, okay, look. I'm, and I, I'm going I'm to say this again. I want you to say exactly what I said. He said, I did. And I said, well, we're going to say it again, but I want you to say exactly, word for word, what I say. He said, okay. I said, okay, if you came here tonight, you had a condition in your body, a physical condition, and since you've been here, you've been totally healed. The symptoms, everything's totally gone. You are 100% totally, completely healed. I want you to wave your hands like this. And again, everybody started waving their hands. And I looked at him. I said, you didn't say what I said. He said, yes, I did. I said, no, you didn't. I said, look. I said, we're going to say it again. This, this can't be happening. We're going to say this again. He said, Okay. And I, and I came up, and I thought, I'm going to trick this guy this time. So I said, I said, okay, if you came here tonight and you had a physical condition in your body, and since you've been here, you have not been healed, I want you to wave your hands like this. Well, just a few people scattered around waved their hands. Conservatively, over 90% of the people were healed by the power of God. It was amazing. <clears throat> now, this stuff we're talking about is the normal Christian life. You know, that stuff that I was taught that was the normal Christian life, that ain't it. This stuff is the normal Christian life. This is what it's all about. This is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, turn over to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. <clears throat> You know, this afternoon, I told you that since I've been here, I saw a lot of angels, and that yesterday I saw some blue angels. 
Some of you may not have fully understood that, but uh, this is a picture of my daughter and I at, um, at, uh, at Alcatraz. You know, we did the tourist thing yesterday. And so while we were out there, the blue angels, you know, the flying blue angels uh, did their thing, and it was really, really amazing. I mean, they were buzzing Alcatraz. At one point, this guy came down. It was like he was about 10 feet off the top of the building. The whole place just shook as he went by. But it was really cool. Uh, where are we? Psalm 103, uh, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels. Now, angels love to worship God. They do it 24-7. When we're worshiping God, just like tonight, I mean, this place is filled with angels. They are drawn to worship. And so much happens during worship time. Listen, let me tell you something. Worship is not just a time filler to give people time to get here. That's not what worship is. Worship is what it's all about. Okay? Well, that's why so much happens during times of worship, because there's so much angelic activity. Okay? Now, so, okay, mighty in strength. Now, we're talking about angels here. They're mighty in strength. I've seen a small warrior angel wipe out a big, huge demon. It was no contest at all. Mighty in strength who perform His Word. They do the Word of God. Psalm 107, verse 20 says that God sent His Word, and he healed them. Angels do the word of God, uh, obeying the voice of his word. They're not like us. They do what he says. <laughs> Verse 21, bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, they serve him doing his will, not my will. His will. They do the will of God. They do the bidding of the Father. They do the bidding of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's what angels do. That's what they're all, that's what they're all involved in. Now, you know the word sozo. What does that really mean? Talk to me. Salvation. But it's healing. It's deliverance. It's total. It's a complete package deal. Okay? That's the will of God, right? They're involved in all of that whole uh, process. Now, Right now, this room is full of angels. They're, they're, all, over, they're all over this room uh, right now. Every one of you have at least one angel assigned to you that's with you right now. At least one. Some of you have more than one because you need more than one. <laughs> some, of you, some of you, your angels are putting in for an assignment change. Because they're bored. <clears throat> You're not giving them anything to do. Did you know that when you do the will of God, your angel is activated? Did you know that when you're doing the word of God... When you're doing the works of Jesus, when you're getting out of the boat and taking a risk, you're, you're stepping out there in the spirit realm, you are not alone. Now, I've got a scripture for that, and I'll maybe tell you about that a little later. Okay? But that's, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, the, the, day that we're, the day that we're living in, we're coming to a time where angelic activity is going to become so commonplace in the church that it's just normal. It's a normal, everyday experience, just like the first century church. 
What, what happened in the book of Acts? You remember the story? Peter was in prison. You remember that? And over here, there's a prayer meeting going on for him. God, get Peter out of prison. God, get Peter out of prison. Well, here's God up here in heaven. Of course, he knows Peter's in prison. But he is so blessed because the church is praying. I mean, it's just a sweet incense coming up to him. And he just thought, oh, man, that's so cool. I love that. And he looks over and he sees an angel standing over not doing anything. And he says, hey, come here. He said, look, Peter's in prison. The church is praying. I just, man, I love that. Uh, there's your assignment. Why don't you go get Peter out of prison? The angel walks into prison, kicks Peter in the side. The chains fall off his hands, fall off his feet. The angel says, grab your coat, let's go. They walk right by the guards. The guards don't see them. They walk to the prison door. It opens by itself. They walk out, okay? Peter goes over to the house where they're praying for him. He knocks on the door. Rhoda runs to the door. She hears his voice through the door. She gets so excited she didn't even open the door. She runs back in. And she says, guess what? Peter's here. Peter's here. Now, listen, I want to tell you, the, these intercessors were serious intercessors. They were believing God. They knew what it was to really gut it out and pray and praying in faith and believing. And you know what their response was? Their response was, don't bother us, woman. That's not Peter out there. We're praying God's going to get him out of jail. That's just his angel out there. That's what they said. Read it. Acts chapter 12. You, you know what? It was easier for them to believe that that was Peter's angel at the door than it was that Peter was at the door. You know, if I said, well, there's an angel right back there at that door, there would be a stampede to that back door to check that angel out. Why is that? Because you say, well, you know, that doesn't happen every day. Well, it did then. It, they didn't think anything of it. It's soon coming when we're going to see the exact same thing here, right here. Now, uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, it says, Their angels in heaven continually uh, uh, see the face of my Father. There, speaking of the children, there, T-H-E-I-R, that's possessive. Okay, that's ownership. They're angels. They have them, you have them. Peter had an angel, you got an angel. Psalm 91, 11, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's where we get the term guardian angel. Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the heirs of salvation. Is that you? Do they co-labor with you? Yes, that's what, that's what it's all about. Now, right now, this room is full of movies. It is. The room is full of movies. It's full of sporting events. It's full of talk shows. It's full of music. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this room. You say, what are you talking about? You caught me daydreaming. No. If we had a television set and we set it up here, the television set's a receiver and we turn it on and what does it do? It picks up the signals that are in this room that you can't see and it converts it into a form that you can see. The television set is a receiver that picks up the signals that are not seen to the natural eye. Well, just as the radio and television signals are going through this room, and we have a television set as a receiver to pick it up, so there's spiritual activity going on in this room right now, but you have spiritual receivers to receive and pick up the signals of what God's doing in the spirit realm. And you can convert them from what is not seen into a seen realm so that you can see what God is doing. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. You say, well, yeah, but what are, what are 
So how, does it, how does all this stuff work? This afternoon I mentioned about our five physical senses. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says, Through practice, having our senses trained to discern good and evil. Our senses trained through practice. That means, practice means trial and error. It means you keep doing it until you get it down. It means you mess up. You have a lot of failures along the way. It's practice. Through practice, having our senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, hold on to that word discern because we're going to come back to that in a minute. But I said this afternoon that just as we have five physical senses, so we have five corresponding spiritual senses. Okay? We have... We have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and hands, right, physically speaking. Well, we do, spiritually speaking, exactly the same. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, oftentimes, we cannot discern whether we're picking up stuff through our spiritual senses or our natural physical senses. Here's an example. We had a lady, um, this was in Ravian Falls, and... uh, uh, she was saying, she said that, um, that she and her husband were standing right side by side during worship time. And her husband was just smelling this fragrance of the Lord. It was just a perfume that was just filling the air. And he was just blown away by it. And he poked her and he said, man, he said, smell, isn't that awesome? And she didn't smell anything. She couldn't smell a thing. Now, if that were a physical smell that was permeating that area, she would have smelled it also. But it wasn't. It was a spiritual smell that he was smelling with his spiritual nose. Are you with me? You have spiritual senses that pick up things that are happening in the spirit realm around you, and you can't tell which is which. Okay? Now, if, if it was with his natural physical nose that he was smelling that, everybody in that whole area would have smelled it because it just about knocked him over. It was so strong. Then another lady came up, and she said, she said you're not going to believe this. She said, last night, she said, just as we were going to bed, she said, I heard a shofar blow. And she said, it just shocked me. It just, you know, I was just wide awake, and I was listening to the shofar. And I poked my husband, and I said, and said, do you hear that? And he said, hear what? And he didn't hear anything. And she said, you don't hear that shofar? And he said, no, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden, the shofar blows again. I mean, a long blast. And she's just almost covering her ears. And it was so loud. And she said, you didn't hear that? He said, no, I didn't hear anything. (laughs) Now, she was listening with her spiritual ears. If it were her natural physical ears, guess what? He would have heard it too. You hear the voice of God. God speaks in an audible voice to you, but nobody else hears it because you're hearing it with your spiritual ears. That's how you hear. That's how you hear the voice of God. Okay? So are you, are you with me on all this stuff so far? Okay. Uh, my, uh, my good friend Bob Jones says this, <clears throat> and I love this illustration because it's so good. He, says, he, said, that, he said, you can see with your nose. You can see with your mouth, you can see with your ears, you can see with your hands, right? 
Now, you say, well, you're crazy. What are you talking about? How do you do that? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, um, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I'm going to show you how you can see with your ears. Everybody, close your eyes. Donut. Now, your eyes are closed. I said donut. When I said donut, what did you see? <clears throat> you saw a donut, right? Okay, so you can see with your ears. Now, if I hand you a donut and your eyes are closed and you can feel that donut, what do you see? A donut. Your eyes are closed. You take a piece of that donut and you put it in your mouth and you start eating it. What do you see? A donut. You take that donut and you stick it up under your nose, your eyes are closed, and you smell it. What do you smell? A donut. When you smell a donut, what do you see? A donut. So it is in the realm of the spirit. We have spiritual senses just like we have physical senses. You say, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't know about that. Well, over in Acts chapter 16, it tells the story of a rich man and a poor man that died. Okay. The rich man went to hell. The poor man went to heaven. And the Bible says that the rich man in hell. Now, the rich man is dead. Okay? Dead, dead. D-E-D, dead. Dead. Okay? He has no physical senses at all because he's dead. Right? He's buried in the ground. His physical body is gone. But he's in hell. And in hell... He looks up into heaven. He sees the poor man up there with Abraham. And he says to Abraham, he said, hey, send that poor man down here. He said, just, just with a drop of water, I'm, I'm, to put on my tongue, I'm burning up in agony in these flames. And Abraham said, no, nope, sorry, can't do that. You know, once it's over, it's over. You're there. He's here. You can come up here. He ain't going to go down there. It's a done deal once you die. Now, the guy had no physical senses at all, but he could see, he could hear, he could feel, he had feeling, he had emotions, he had taste, he was thirsty. Are you with me? Luke, uh, what did I say? Did I say Acts? Luke 16. I'm sorry. Good. Thanks. Luke 16. Uh, <clears throat> now, what about John in the book of Revelation? He was taken up into the presence of the Lord. Did he see the Lord? Did he hear his voice? Did he see angels? Did he see all, did all kinds of stuff happen? Did he have emotions? Did he fall on his face before the Lord? Yes. Was that physical or was that spiritual? He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Out of the body, in the spirit realm, all of his spiritual senses were activated in the spirit realm. The same with Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel in a minute. But what about God? The Bible says that God is what? God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in and truth. Now stop and think about this. God is spirit. And if we're going to worship him, we worship him in spirit. Spirit. It's spirit to spirit. Worship is not reading words off the screen. It's much, much deeper than that. It's connecting spirit to spirit.
the Spirit. God is Spirit. Does God see? Yes. Does God hear? Yes. Does God taste? Yes. Does God feel? Yes. Eyes, ears, no. Does God smell? Does he use deodorant? No. <laughs> now, you, you know what I mean about smell. <laughs> you know, does he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can smell the sweet incense. The, the, you, you know what I'm saying? Does God have five spiritual senses? Yes. Are we made in his likeness and in his image? We are? Are you sure? That means we're spirit beings. That means we connect with him spirit to spirit. That means we learn to activate our spiritual senses to connect with him in worship. Are you with me? Okay. Now, this this gets gooder and gooder as we go. Okay. Now, Through practice, having their senses trained to discern good and evil. How many of you know what the discerning of spirits is? The discerning of spirits is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. The discerning of spirits is not... A critical spirit. The discerning of spirits is not a judgmental spirit. The discerning of spirits is distinguishing between spirits. God, Satan, angels, demons, heaven, hell, light, dark. It's discerning the human spirit from the Holy Spirit, from the demonic realm. It's distinguishing what spirits are at work. Now, you've all experienced the discerning of spirits at one time or another. And here's how it works. Because it works with your spiritual senses. And like I said, sometimes you can't distinguish between your spiritual senses and your physical senses. And so when you experience something which feels like a physical experience with you, is really a supernatural experience. That's where the discerning of spirits come in on that point as well. But have you been to a place, you go in this room, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you just feel evil. It's like, oh, get me out of here. You know, you know, you just get the heebie-jeebies, and you, know, you want out of there. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's the discerning of spirits. You're in a place, and you're discerning there's evil there. Now, sometimes you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it, you can smell it. You can taste it, right? That your spiritual sense is being activated, and sometimes your physical senses correspond to that, have the feeling that you're of your spiritual senses. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, we come into worship. We come in here, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, man, God is in this place. This is just awe. It's like, whoa. What have you just done? Discern the spirits. When you come in and you say, whoa, God's all over this place. How do you know that? It's the discerning of spirits. You discern the presence of God. Now, 
through practice having your senses trained, trial and error, because sometimes you mess up, but it's learning to be sensitive to your spiritual senses to pick up on what's happening in the spirit realm to see what God's doing. So we experience the presence of God as a discerning spirit. And we say, whoa, that's really cool. That's awesome. That's great. That's, that's God. Now, I, a lot of you, you know, the discerning of spirits is uh, singing the spirit is a form of the discerning of spirits. Okay? Because when you see in the spirit realm, you can see angels, but you can also see demons. Right? And so with your spiritual eyes, you can discern activity, whether it's of God or whether it's of Satan, whether it's an angel or whether it's a demon. And you can be ministering to somebody, praying for somebody, and all of a sudden you just see this evil thing over them. That's discerning of spirits, and you can just see that with the eye of your spirit. Are you with me? Okay, so we have the discerning of spirits that are active within us. A lot of you, though, have seen demons when you were children. If I, how many of you, when you, were, when you were young, you saw demons? Just be real honest. Just raise your hand. Okay, just look all over the room. Now, most likely, you did one of two things. You either just said, oh, make it stop, make it stop. I never want to see that again. Or you ran to your parents and told them what happened. And you told them, make it stop, make it stop. I never want to see it again. Right? Most likely, that's what you did. What you did when you did that was you shut down on the discerning of spirits and the revelatory gift of seeing in the spirit realm. Again, when you see in the spirit, you can see both angels and demons. It's not a big deal if you see a demon. God's given you authority over all of the works of the enemy, and you see a demon, you just go over and you just kick him in the butt and tell him to take a hike. It's that simple. You don't put up with that. God will bring revelation about demonic activity in the life of somebody to minister to them, not to be down on them, not to point the finger at them or be critical of them. God will open your eyes to see angels as the angels are ministering to people. We'll talk a little more about that tomorrow afternoon. Well, there'll be, huh? Or tomorrow, huh? Tomorrow, some, anyway. <clears throat> okay, now, <clears throat> here's what I'm going to do. For those of you that shut down from seeing demons as a child, I want you to renounce the shutting down of seeing the demons. And so we're just going to pray a quick prayer. And, and to reactivate the discerning of spirits, to reactivate that revelatory gift of seeing in the spirit realm, okay? This is really important, but it's so simple, and it just takes a second to do this. Are you with me? Okay, let's do it. Just, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Just pray it out loud. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the shutting down of seeing demons. God, forgive me. I ask for a reactivation now of the discerning of spirits that I might see in the realm of the Spirit. 
both angels and demons. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's that simple. Okay? Now, just from doing that, you're going to see a lot of more activity. Now, <clears throat> okay, people ask me all the time, how do you see angels? Do you see them like people? Like, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. Because that's the way everybody wants to see angels. Yes, I have. I've seen them just like I see you, just like you see me. But you have too. You have. I would say virtually every person in here has seen an angel in the physical. But you didn't identify it as an angel. What does Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says? That we entertain angels and we don't even know it. You've entertained angels, but you didn't know it. We were in Mexico. We were about a thousand miles down in Mexico. And uh, we drove down there. We were in this little bitty town. The side wall of our tire blew out. It could not be repaired. And we went all over that town looking for a tire that would fit our car. There was not one tire in that whole town that would fit our car. The spare tire that we had just kept losing air. It just kept going down like that. We had to put air in it you know, every couple of hours to keep the thing up. We were in a pickle. So that night we said, God, you know, show us where to get a tire. God, send somebody that can help us. The next day we were standing on the street. This guy walked up and he said, can I help you? And we looked at him and said, well, yeah. I told him the situation. He said, I know just a place you can get a tire. He said, I'll go with you. He jumped in the car. He took us out to Scariesville, outside <laughs> of town, way out in the middle of nowhere. And he pulled up to this old broken down place out there that sold tires. They had the tire that fit the car. He oversaw the installation of it, made sure everything was right, paid him. He said, now take me back to where you picked me up. We, he got in the car. We drove him back. We go, got within a couple of blocks away, and he said, he said, he said, we're close enough. Just let me out right here. Pulled over to the side. It was a big concrete plaza area. There was no trees, no people, nothing. He gets out of the car. We just thanked him profusely, and we just turned around and looked back like that. My wife opened the door of the car to see if he was hiding beside the car. <clears throat> he completely disappeared. Instantly disappeared. And finally, it was, duh, that was an angel. <laughs> Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent to render service for the heirs of salvation. Do you know why we didn't under, you know why it wasn't like, oh, hey, angel. Do you know why it wasn't like that? Because he didn't look like an angel. He looked like a person. You know what? These pictures, these little fat babies floating on clouds with wings, <laughs> picking a guitar, that ain't what they look like. <clears throat> okay. And so you say, well, I've never seen an angel because you haven't seen what you picture an angel to look like. Like, I mean, decked out in wings and, or, or a warrior angel or, you know, Michael or Gabriel or, you know, something like that. And you say, well, yeah, but I mean, I haven't seen an angel. Well, 
you have. How many times have you been in a difficult situation and all of a sudden somebody out of the clear blue sky, total stranger comes and helps you? Just, I mean, even in simple little things, right? We've all, we've all, yeah, and, and what's your response? Your response is, whoa, boy, that, that you know, that, there's some nice people left in the world today, isn't there? That was really nice of them. And it never, listen, I've got, I've got several stories like that of, I mean, of just real specific things. I mean, where they didn't disappear like the first guy, but where they just walked on down the street, you know, you turn around and you know, then you can't find them or whatever. But it wasn't like just an instantaneous disappearance. Okay. But I mean, because that was a real lesson in that one. That was just a, that was a clear thing. But you've all done that. Um, most of the time I see angels as, as transparent. I see them as an image transposed over what I'm looking at. Because I'm seeing with the eye of my spirit. Sometimes I see them as sparkling lights. I see them as columns of light. I see them sometimes as a spotlight moving across the room. I see them in a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways. But you have too. You really have. Um, I, th- this one guy came up and he was testifying. And he said, you know, he said, I have never seen an angel. And he said, but, you know, it's like there's two of them standing right over there in that corner. And... Uh, Oh, and there's one right over here, and this, but this one over here is, has a sword in his hand. But I've never seen an angel. <laughs> Why did he say that? He said it because he didn't see an angel in the form that he thought he would see as he's looking, like I'm looking at you or you're looking at me. He didn't see an angel in the natural, physical realm, so he said, I've never seen an angel. Even though when he here, one over here. This one's got a sword. These two don't over there. He knew a lot about... Oh, I was talking to this one guy, and he said, you know, I've never seen my angel. He said, I felt my angel. He said, sometimes I, I've, I felt my angel just brush up against me, you know, and I just, I, I know the presence of my angel right there with me. And this guy standing, this guy with me, he looked at him. He said, well, what does your angel look like? And he said, well, he's about, he's about this tall, and usually he's wearing like an orange robe, and with a brown uh, sash-like belt thing, but I've never seen my angel. <clears throat> now, we're laughing, but we're all guilty of the same thing. Because you see this kind of stuff through the eye of your spirit, right? You say, well, yeah, but it's my imagination, right? I'm just imagining that. That's just, you know, I'm, I'm just making that up, or that's just me, right? That's what you think. I know. I've been there, and I've done it. So I know what you're thinking. I know what goes on with you. Do you know what uh, Isaiah 26, verse 3 says? Isaiah 26, 3. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. His mind is fixed on him. I looked up that word mind. In the Hebrew, it's yetzer which is an interesting word. It means framed, a thing framed. It means imagination. Framed or a thing framed. Okay, you have a picture frame. What's in the frame? A picture, an image. You can see something in the frame. It's like the frame around the television set. You see the motion, you see the movement, all of that kind of stuff. It's an image that you can see, okay? And your, God 
gave you your imagination. Our, our connotation of imagination is negative. When you think of the word imagination, you think of it in a negative sense, most likely, because most people do. Listen, that's only half the story. God, your imagination is a mechanism that God gave you to perceive the things of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to explain this in, in more detail, okay? But it's the, it, it's the eye of your spirit. It's, on, it's the screen of your mind. It's the picture in your mind's eye of what you see. Now, let's read the verse again. God will keep him in perfect peace whose imagination is fixed on him. So that means, what can you do with your imagination? You see, when your mind is in step with God's will and God's purpose, your imagination becomes a tool or bridge that you can cross over into the supernatural realm of the Spirit. Bill Johnson says, a yielded imagination becomes a sanctified imagination. Now, what does the word imagination mean? What is it? Tell me. Imagination is simply the forming of mental images. That's all it is. It's the forming of mental images. Now, let's go back to the television set. The television set of itself is neither good nor bad. It depends on what channel you put it on. And so is your imagination. It's neither good nor bad of itself. It depends on what channel you put it on. It depends on what you focus your mind on, the imagery and the things that you begin to see, the, the daydreaming, the fantasies or whatever, the, the visions that you have, the dreams that you have that are from God. That is imagery. That is the use of your imagination. It is your spiritual imagination being activated okay, to the things of the Spirit of God. The sanctified imagination, its focus is on the kingdom of God. The sanctified imagination is focused on the Spirit of God, on the things of God, on the Word of God, on the presence of God. The sanctified imagination is in submission to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. I looked up that word, thanks. It's sha'ar, which... Uh, in the Hebrew, which means to split or open, to act as a gatekeeper. Let's read the verse again. As he acts as a gatekeeper in his heart, so is he. What you allow in is what you become like. It's what your focus is. It's what you allow the images, the direction that you allow the images in your mind to go to. When you're reading the Word of God and, and you know, the disciples are out in the boat and the storming and Jesus comes walking up on the water, can't you, just, while you're reading that, can't you just kind of, you just kind of picture that? Did you know you think in pictures, you think in imagery like that? Well, you can allow your imagination to go one of two different directions. That's where the discerning of spirits comes in. It's to discern when your imagination is off in the boonies or when your imagination is being, uh, being uh, used and motivated by the Spirit of God. Now, the, this, this afternoon I said, uh, you know, like in Romans chapter 8, the Word says the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. 
We have a choice as to what we set our mind on. The focus of our mind determines our actions ultimately and what we do. Okay? We all want peace. We all want life. How do we get it? By focusing on things above. When your focus is on things of this earth, guess what? It results in death. It doesn't get you anywhere. And so it's the focus of the mind. You see, the enemy is always barraging us all the time with all of the negative stuff. He's putting the worldly, fleshly, sinful stuff in our imagination. But the Spirit of God is over here saying, hey, look at me. Look into the heavens. Look in the spirit realm. Look at that angel that's right beside you. Begin to see things from my perspective. In other words, we switch our focus from the natural physical into the supernatural spiritual part to see what God's doing, activating our spiritual senses. Now, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? <clears throat> what's his name? Neville Johnson. I, I mean, you heard of Neville Johnson? Well, if you need to, he's got a podcast and it's awesome. Okay. But he said that God considers imagination as reality. God considers imagination as reality. Now, why is that? Because Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. You, you have not committed the physical act, but in God's eyes, that imagery, that picture that you paint in your mind's eye is just as real. It becomes reality to you. Are you with me? Okay. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to I practice some of this stuff and show you how it works. We're, we're just turning this, oh my goodness, into a workshop. Okay. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to listen fast. <clears throat> okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. And I want you to, I want you to picture your kitchen. I want you to imagine your kitchen. Okay, does everybody see your kitchen? Now, you may, you may be looking at it like at floor level. You may be looking at it like above, looking down over it. You may be looking at it at one angle or another. It may be crystal clear. It may be real foggy, kind of distant, not real clear. Okay? You may be looking at different parts. Don't look at the mess on the counter, though. <laughs> if, you're, if you're hungry, you may be looking at the refrigerator. Okay, but does everybody see your kitchen? Okay, does anybody not see your kitchen? Raise your hand if you do not see your kitchen. Okay, one, two, anybody, three, four. Anybody else? Okay, you will before the night's over. Okay, now, if you can see your kitchen, you can see in the realm of the Spirit. It's the same mechanism that you saw your kitchen, it's the imagery that you see through your imagination. I put the words, the thought into you to see your kitchen, and you did. 
The same way the Spirit of God puts His thoughts and His imagery into you. Now, let's take it a step further. Okay, close your eyes. Now, this time, I want you to picture on the screen of your mind, in your mind's eye, <laughs> I want you to picture an elephant. <clears throat> now, you can see the, the, the big ivory tusks, the, the trunk, the big floppy ears, you know, the big body that tapers you know, from the shoulders down, the big round legs, the little rope tail. You may be looking at the elephants from the front straight on, from the side, from back, from up above, okay? But does everybody see the elephant? Everybody see the elephant? Okay, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus intently on that elephant with your eyes closed. Don't open your eyes. Focus intently on that elephant. Just blaze that image into you, okay? And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and look at me. But when you open your eyes, I want you to keep looking at the elephant. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, look at the elephant, totally focused on the elephant. Now keep looking at the elephant and open your eyes and look at me. Now you can still see the elephant, right? Now, I don't look like an elephant. You know, I used to use, I used to use a red-faced monkey, but there was too much resemblance. <clears throat> now, the way that you, the way your eyes were open and you were looking at me, but you could still see that elephant, right? That's how you see in the Spirit. It's the same mechanism. It's that same imagery the what is the root word for imagination? Image. Image. Whoa! Did you know what? Did you know that God created you in His likeness and in His... His what? Did it ever occur to you that you are a creation of God's imagination? He just pictured you and you came into being. He spoke and it happened, right? Pretty cool, huh? Do a, do a word study on image, okay? And you're going to find all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Now, what I want you to do is turn to Daniel chapter 4. And we're going to have to go quick. We're just going to buzz right through Daniel. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 4. And I'm going to give you a biblical basis for what we're talking about. Daniel chapter 4. <clears throat> okay. Um, we're just going to jump right in. Verse 4, Daniel 4, 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. Now, I'm reading from the New American Standard. That's the Bible that Paul used. <clears throat> okay, verse 5. He said, I saw a dream 
and it made me fearful. And these fantasies, as I lay on my bed, and the visions in my head or mind kept alarming me. Now, did he have these visions or these dreams with his natural physical eyes? No. It was of his mind's eye, the eye of his spirit. It was on the screen of his mind, right? The Amplified says, the thoughts and imaginations and the visions of my head. The NIV says, the images and visions that passed through my mind. Now that word fantasies in the New American Standard literally is the word imagination. It is the word harhor in the Hebrew, which means imagining, which is from the root word hara, which means to conceive or become pregnant. In other words, what you conceive in your mind is just as real as becoming pregnant. Again, God considers imagination as reality. If you dwell on anything long enough, you buy into it, and you begin to act it out eventually. It becomes a part of you, right? That's exactly right. Again, what is imagination? It's the forming of mental images. That's all that it is. You, how, do you, how do you have a dream? It's mental images. How do you have a vision? It's mental images. How do you daydream? It's mental images. Okay? And oftentimes we think in these images that we see. Well, the more our thoughts are on the things of God, the Spirit of God, we're reading the Word of God, the more our spiritual senses are activated and our imagery is going to be of the things of the Spirit of God because we're opening up, we're allowing Him access to us so that we're not falling prey to all the, the evil fantasies and, and the, uh, the vain imaginations. Uh, of the devil because he is the devil is trying to control your imagination and he wants you to think it's evil so that he doesn't want you going where we're going tonight he doesn't want you to understand this kind of stuff and I'll explain more of that later okay <clears throat> okay verse 10 <clears throat> now these were the visions in my what mind or head depends on which translation you got these are the vision. In other words, not with his natural physical eye. It was in his head, in his mind. As I lay on my bed, I was looking. Underline, I was looking. Underline, I was looking. Got it? And behold, there was a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. He saw a tree, birds, beasts, fruit, all this kind of stuff. Okay? Verse 13. I was looking in the visions. Now, underline, I was looking. This is really important. I was looking. In the vision. He didn't say, I was looking at the vision. He said, I was looking in the vision. Where? In my mind or in my head. Not with a natural eye, again, but with the eye of the Spirit. As I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. Now what did he see? He saw an angel. Did Nebuchadnezzar see the angel with his physical eye? Talk to me. No, he didn't. He's in a vision, in his mind, and he saw an angel. So I want to ask you a question. Did he see an angel? Yes. yes. Now, verse 14. 
He shouted out and spoke as follows. In other words, the angel shouted out and spoke as follows. The angel began to speak to him, and he told him what to do. Now, so, did, did Nebuchadnezzar hear the angel? Yes. Did he hear the angel with his physical ear? No. He heard it with the ear of his spirit. His spiritual ears were activated because it's spirit to spirit. He's in the spirit realm. He's in a vision. And he's interacting in the vision with the angel. Okay? Uh, let's, uh, let's turn over to uh, chapter 7. <clears throat> Verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind or in his head. Now, you know, it's interesting that they, they keep using these words dream and visions interchangeably. Okay? Well, in Job 33, verse 15, it defines a dream as a vision of the night. 